good to be here tonight. Good to have you here. Good to have Sister Beverly here with us. Praise God for your presence here today. We'll be talking about uh, how we can pray for you as we go on along in our service. Good to have Brian and Heidi back safely from Indiana. I always say Indianapolis, but Indiana. Um, and thank God for their, uh, their time. And I heard a good preaching of God's word and, and uh, sharing there. So our prayers have been answered there. Praise God for that. Um, this week, Saturday, is our, our men's um, ministry to Milwaukee Rescue Mission. So those who are involved in that, let's not forget we meet at the, at the mission at 7 o'clock. Uh, tonight we look at Psalm 40. So if you turn there in your Bibles, we'll be looking at starting at verse 11. We've looked at the first part of this chapter in the weeks previous, so verses 11 through 17. Psalm 40, verse 11 through 17. There's a chapter heading in, in my Bible that says, My help and my deliverer. And so certainly God is that, and the psalmist speaks of that. I want to notice here how the psalmist really helps us to pray because he helps relate uh, the, the strife of human living, the hardship of human living uh, in, in this life, and how because of that we are pressed to go to the Lord in prayer. Um, and... So we can relate. We don't all have the same exact issues, but we all have those human issues that we have in common. And especially as believers, we have challenges that face us that really drive us to the Lord. When we're faced with a challenge, we can even either turn to someone else, in other words, turn away from the Lord, turn to something else, or we can run to the Lord. What believers do is we run to the Lord. And that's a good thing to do. Notice in verse 11, he recognizes and acknowledges God's protection. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. God will not hide, he will not restrain his mercy from his people. And we praise God for that. That is an absolute. That's something that is sure. That is something that we, we have seen in our past and we will see in our future. How have we seen it in our past? Well, the fact that God called us out of sin and saved us and delivered us, that is an eternal salvation. So we can praise him for that and we should always praise him for that. And we in eternity will be praising him for that regardless of the hardships that we face here in life. We have that to praise God for and that to look forward to. And so he says, you will not restrain your uh, mercy from me. In the next statement, your steadfast love and faithfulness will ever uh, persevere or preserve me. Excuse me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. I, I mentioned that he relates to our human challenges. Look at verse 12. The psalmist is saying that he has some grave threats, both from out, without, and within. 
the grave threats that he faces, evils, notice the plural on evils, it's not just one thing here or there, but it's evils, and I want you to notice the language that he uses when he describes the threat that he is, is facing. He says evils have compassed, excuse, encompassed me, encompassed me. I get the thought of, of a person drowning in deep water. Evils have encompassed me. He says, what I'm going through now seems like something that is surrounding me. It's all around me. I can't seem to get out of. Evils have encompassed me. And he says this, he adds this to, to, to the situation, beyond measure. Beyond measure. He, he, he has a few other statements that, that bring this out. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails. He says this, my iniquities have what? Bothered me? No, not just bothered me. Have, have been troubled to me? No. He says they're overtaking me. He didn't even say they're just catching up with me. <laughs> he says they're overtaking me. I, I, I get the picture. If you ever uh, go to uh, uh, the ocean where the tide comes in, if you go out and swimming in it, there's a point where that water comes rushing at you and it can just swallow you up. And, and that's the picture here is that he says my, he says my, um, he says evils have encompassed me. My iniquities have overtaken me. And, and so the expression is I'm drowning. It's like th this is too much more than, than I can take. It's, it's overtaken me. He says I cannot see. Something has surrounded me so much. My trouble has surrounded me so much, I can't see a way out of it. You, you know how you feel when you're somewhere and you can't see? You, it's, you, you're choked out, you're swallowed up by this thing, and, and you can't even get, get, get out of it? Um, you know, I, I was talking with Charles about this some time ago. As we get older, we like less and less being in crowds. <laughs> There's something about being in crowds, being in a whole crowd of people. When you're surrounded, um, it was uh, the year past that Don and I went to, to the Indianapolis 500. This particular time we were there and we were trying to get through this gate and it was a thin, it was a, a wall of people, probably from the wall to where I am now, and it was a long corridor, and we were stuck in the middle, and the people were pressed in tight. I mean, it was so tight, you could not look down at your shoes. You, you, it was like you were shoulder to shoulder and jammed in, and she began to panic. She began to, to be very very uncomfortable. Not only was there a lot of people, but it was hot outside, and we were kind of in an enclosed area. And so I, 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 just, I just fear for her. What do you do when you, you don't know what to do and you're cr in this crowd of people you can't get out? So well, naturally, I took her by the hand, and I pushed my way through that crowd, and we fought till we got to the end, till we could get to the end, and she got out. <sighs> And then she could breathe. It's like, okay, calm down. You're okay. This is okay. But that's how we feel when trouble starts to come. It comes in waves at us, and it seems like it's all around us, and we can't breathe. The psalmist says here, I can't even see. It's so thick. It's so around me. I can't see. 
And that, that's what he says. And then he says this. My, it says, they are more than the hairs on my head. He's saying, this trouble I can't count. He uses these terms. He says uh, um, um, in verse 12, they're beyond number. They're overtaking me. I can't see. They're more than the hairs of my head. Then he says, my heart fails me. I, I have just collapsed under the weight of all this stuff. Sometimes we feel like that. The psalmist is expressing how we get in the middle of our trouble, and that's how it feels to us. It is, we are just overwhelmed with this. Um, um, you, you have situations in your life, you know, when you get through it, it, it may not seem like that, but when you're in the middle of it, it it's, it's just, you go through that panic mode where you do not know what to do. It just seems, you seem to be drowning. Uh, there seems to be no hope. You seem to be overwhelmed. And that's what the psalmist was explaining. But what does he do in the middle of that verse 13? Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. He cries out to God. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. He calls upon God's grace. We pray tonight because either we face right now or we have faced or on behalf of someone who is facing trials that seem to surround them so much that they feel crushed by it. We pray on behalf of them. We pray on behalf of ourselves. That's a good thing. He could pray to God. Be pleased, O oh Lord. He's crying out. Um, we, we need to feel the emotion of the Psalms. I'm not a, I'm not a very emotional person in terms of, of expressing uh, myself outwardly, at least in, in my own private world. I, I don't do that a lot. But the psalmist is, is sharing with us and helping us see. And what the psalmist helps me do, because I'm not a very expressive, uh, talkative, or emotional person, the psalmist helps me work through emotions that I don't always know how to express. And he's saying, I got you. I know how you feel. You may not even be able to express it, but I know where you are. And he's saying, do what I do. Cry out to God. So verse 13 says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste to help me. So he cries out to God. He also asked that his enemies be stopped. I mentioned in, in the first section, I didn't explain it, that there, some trouble that we get into is because as believers, there are just those that oppose us. But there's other troubles that we get into as believers. It's because of our own sin. And so we have threats from outside and threats from within. And so in verse 12, he expresses that this way. Evils have compassed me beyond number. That's the threat from outside. My iniquities have overtaken me. That's the threat from within. My iniquities have overtaken me. What's good to know is that we can call on the Lord in both situations. He doesn't say when you sin, oh, you, you, you put yourself in a bad position. Don't come running to me. He doesn't say that. He says, whether the threat is from outside or even your own sin nature, you can come to me. That's a good thing to know because I face that is that, hey, Lord, I shouldn't be in this situation if I had obeyed you, if I had done what I should, if I had the discipline, if I had tracked things the way I should, I wouldn't be where I am. But I am, Lord, help me. And Psalmist says that 
and we can too. It's not an excuse to do wrong. It's not an excuse to sin. It is a comfort to know that God is the deliverer when the problem is us and <laughs> not just somebody outside of us when we got our own self into trouble. Sometimes we get into financial issues and we know we didn't handle our, our things well. And God says, you can still come and run to me. Sometimes we have relationship issues with other people that we have been wrong. We have wronged them in some way as well. And it may be mutual, but we have, you know, we, we kind of have skin in the matter as well. We've done some things that we shouldn't do. God says, you can still come and you can still run to me. This part I like too. Um, he asked that his enemies be stopped. <laughs> Verse 14 and 15. Notice how he describes his enemies. <clears throat> Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. That's his description. They seek to snatch away my life. Last part of the verse, they delight in my hurt. Um, they say, verse 15, last part of verse 15, they say, aha, aha. In other words, they ridicule me. They poke fun at me. They ridicule me. They degrade, degrade me. They, they, they demean me. They do all these things. He describes his enemies that way. So he faced some of those enemies. Notice what he asked for his enemies, that they be put to shame. Verse 14, let those be put to shame. Let them be disappointed altogether. In other words, let them find, you know, no, no happiness in terms of, you know, they make predictions about us. Let them be disappointed about that. Um, let them be turned back. Let them be brought to dishonor. Let them be appalled because of their shame. This is how he describes them. But then in verse 16, he asks that the faithful be rewarded. No, notice how he describes the faithful. All who seek you, so those who seek the Lord. <clears throat> All who, those who love your salvation. What does he want them to, to experience? He says, may they rejoice and be glad in you. May they say continually, great is the Lord. May they have that testimony of praising, worshiping God. May they experience the greatness of God and then be glad to express that to others after they've experienced it. And then he says this, um, what he says about himself, he acknowledges about himself and what he acknowledges about the Lord in verse 17. As for me, I am poor and needy. We talked about humility on Sunday, what, what uh, uh, humility is. And, and one of the things we mentioned, yes, it is a proper uh, um, expression or assessment of ourselves, but it's not only that. It's not just a modest assessment of ourselves. It's a proper assessment, assessment of ourselves. Um, and it's a proper assessment or acknowledgement of who God is and, and uh, with some patience to deal with those who don't get it. That's how we describe it on Sunday when we um, detail that. So I won't detail that again. But what does he say here? I am poor and needy, but I like that. The Lord takes thought of me. We pray tonight because we're in need, but also we pray because God takes thought of us. He's thinking about us. Was it verse 6, was it? Uh, let's see. Verse 6, you have given me an open ear. I like that. God is listening to our prayers. We're not just talking to make ourselves feel better. We're talking because God hears. 
He hears the prayer of his people. And so he says that in verse 17. He takes thought of me. He's thinking of me. He knows my situation, and he's going to act in it. Then he describes God this way. You are my help, my deliverer, my God. That's who we pray to, our help, our deliverer, our God. Let's not forget that as we pray tonight. We talked about Sister Beverly. You understand that a diagnosis has come through, that there is a cancer in her body, and uh, we're gonna, the medical staff is going to take... Um, take means to, to, to work through that, through, through the different uh, uh, um, ways that they're going to do that. So we're going to pray for her during that, that God would rid her body of that, but, but that most of all, that God will keep her sweet spirit that she has, that faith and that trust that she has in the Lord, and that testimony of, of, of not wavering, just trusting in God no matter what. We want God to use that um, for her encouragement, for our encouragement, and to give her, uh, just to continue uh, giving her that, that faith to trust him um, through everything she's experienced and will experience. So continue to pray for her. Thank you. Good evening, saints. Good to be back in sweet communion. We're going to continue our meditation through the prophet Amos. Amos is a very direct prophet. And so we're going to read in Amos 5, 18 through 24. is I'll read a verse and then you read a verse in response, okay? Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings are your fattened animals. I will not look upon them. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You shall take up Sekoth, your king, and carry on your star god, your images that you made for yourself. All right. Let's read it one more time. This time I will read it, and you can listen. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light, 
and gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feast, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. What is he talking about in these verses? the number one what is he talking about in these verses what's the focus what's the problem all right what is their feast and their solemn assemblies burnt offerings and grain offerings fattened animals songs melody of harps what are all those things forms of worship that they had in those days, right? So they would worship God and they would have these different things that they would do that God had ascribed to them to do, right? And God doesn't want to hear that because they're playing games. And I believe that this is a judgment on all false worship that is in Israel, but I think it's, a, it's not a prophecy that is dead by any means. It's still in force. And I think what happens is a lot of times when people go to church, they feel like they're playing a game. They come to church and they act different than the way that they do at home. And if that's like you, you're in trouble. Right? You're in trouble. And what I mean by that is this. We can't act different because there's a few things that's going to happen to us. The first thing is we know we're acting different. Now, there's various degrees of acting different. Some people co act completely fake. They go and live a completely different life than they do when they come to church, right? That is one way of going about it. I've seen that, you've seen that. But I don't think that's the biggest danger because I think those people know they're living a lie. I think there's people who say bold things in church that they can't say at home. I think that is a really bigger problem. What I mean by that is you come to church, homosexuality is a sin. You go home, your nephew comes out as gay, you don't say anything. Your friends invite you to a gay marriage, you don't say anything. So-and-so is sleeping with his girlfriend, you don't say anything. Your daughter, your son are doing sin, you don't say anything. People in the world do different things right in front of you. Sometimes they even ask for your opinions. You don't say anything. You're a silent Christian. But you get up in church and you say amen. You say many bold things. You may even give. You may even be faithful. But when it's time to make that stand, where are you? You don't want to be known as the mean one. You don't want to be known as the one that's speaking judgment. You don't want to be known as the one that doesn't love everybody. So you don't say anything. 
I get you. In some ways, I don't like that battle too if it's just a random battle with somebody who just is not going to give up, who won't learn anyway. But every once in a while, I believe that God gives us a microphone and I don't think he passed us the mic for us to pass it to somebody else. So it is time to take a stand. And I think that's why the society is as bad as it is. Because it didn't just get this way in one day. Me and my dad was talking about this. One of the things I appreciate about my dad is when he goes home, he's the same person that he is when he's in the pulpit as he is in the church. But many people are not like that. And they, maybe they're not like it to the point where they go home and they just start immediately doing drugs or something. But they're not like it in that they don't take the strong stance that they might pretend that they would take at church. They can't sin and they're they not going to toss their kid out. If there's a verse on church discipline that says we shouldn't keep communication with somebody that we church discipline, they're not going to really do that. You don't really expect me to do that, do you? Because that's my cousin. That's my sister. That's my auntie. Uh, yeah, the church tossed her out, yeah, but I mean, she's still family. Of course I can eat dinner with her, right? Ignore that little verse that says don't even eat with such a person. That was for them. That's not for us. And it's hard for me to see that much of a difference between a person who says that. It's not such a wide leap for people to say, well, homosexuality was wrong then. It's not wrong for us now. It's not so much a big elite. Once we start saying that things that God said stopped applying, we don't understand the impact that that has on the heart because what it says is the word is dead. It's not living anymore. It lived back then when Amos was around, when they walked in sandals, when they had sheep. It's not so much applicable now that we got cars and TV and internet. And I think we have to get out of that faithlessness. And that's something we all have to shake off. Sometimes you can even read the scripture in an unrealistic way. And sometimes we can act like Amos didn't have any threats, that he didn't feel nervous when he spoke boldly. But I think the nervousness that we feel is the spiritual opposition of Satan that is trying to oppose us. And we have to break through that. It's the same feeling I felt when I first taught on things that I knew people wouldn't like to hear. And just like doing right in anything, you know what? The first time is always the hardest. But once you decide to do right, over and over again, it becomes easier and easier. And that's what I believe we have to do when it comes to standing on the truth. I don't want a whole bunch of people that's hooping and hollering in the church. I want a lot of people who may hoop and holler if the feeling strikes them, but go home and live it and read it tell it to their kids and enforce it in their families and go to the family meetings and go to the things and still say the same things and sometimes they hold a family meeting on Sunday night and you say I can't go because I'm going to church shock 
right? They should almost know. I don't even know if I should even ask him. I know he's going to say no on a Sunday. That's how we should be. Don't let them enforce their will on us. Let's enforce the will of God on them. I read a verse as I was preparing for my sermon on Sunday. I didn't get to use it because it didn't fit. But it said in Ephesians 4, expose the works of darkness. And it said this, because whatever touches light is light. And I thought about that. You know what it really was saying? What the world calls unkind when we expose evil is actually the means by which God reaches into a life. And our desire to not get in a confrontation could be stopping God's light from reaching somebody's life. So when you see evil, it may be mean to say it, but it is evil. You need to not be living with your girlfriend. Hey, man, if you're going to be like that, you ought to get married. Hey, that's wrong what you're doing with your children. When we speak truth in their life, they're exposed to the light. And then we can read that verse for real. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And let it flow from us. Let's be used. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Tonight, what I want to focus on is I want to focus our prayer on the rescue mission. Um, obviously, we have a lot of people who is part of our church who are involved in ministering there um, as part of their job. And then we also obviously have people who come as a result of the rescue mission, which is awesome, which is really in line with our mission. So what I want to do is I'll just have a couple people pray as you felt le led to pray prayer pray as you feel that to pray and then um, we'll just do two or three people but just really have the prayer focused on the ministry of the rescue mission the success of the rescue mission and the continued ministry of the people here that work there and I'll close this up but we just continue to lift up um, the Milwaukee rescue mission we just praise you for helping connect us to them, allowing us to have a relationship with them, um, that, you that you use both of our organization as a way to reach um, the downtrodden of our city. Um, you allow us to use it as a mission that we can reach the men of our city um, and in turn reach their families. We ask that you continue to just bless um, both our organizations, bless us with the people and the, the time and the ability to continue to minister to more men there and more women there ask that you allow the rescue mission to continue to just reach more of the, the men of the city that need their help and um, help them to reach them in a way that they first and foremost ha have a relationship with you and then secondary that they can turn their lives and continue to have a fulfilled life where they are able to um, break free of having to use a rescue mission as a place to stay or a place to help work but that they can become on their own again. We ask that you continue to um, just bless those people from our church who are working there that you 
continue to allow them to be a witness and testimony to the many people that they work with and that they encounter on a daily basis. Continue to just use them in those spots that you've given and bless them with those positions there. We ask that you continue to just be with our church. Um, continue to help grow us and allow us to be a voice to our city. In your name we pray. Amen.